would imagine if you are normal that you've probably had an experience in your life, whether it was physical or emotional or psychological or, or something along those lines, where you felt as if you were kind of backed into a corner. Your back is against the wall and you're trying to figure out what to do. Now, some of you may have had something like that this week. Uh, I've been through experiences like that. I had a couple uh, of little things this week that I just felt like, oh, what, you know, what do I do? You're kind of... You're not sure how to respond to different things. And so maybe you're like that. Maybe you've had those experiences. There's something in your nervous system, in your body, that scientists and biologists have described as the, the fight or flight response. And they, they've added one in there. It's fight, uh, flight, or freeze now. Maybe, maybe you can relate to that. And it's in those moments where you're physically threatened or maybe emotionally threatened or psychologically threatened or whatever it may be, that you, you respond based upon what's going on physiologically inside your body. Now, during those times, maybe you've experienced this, your heart rate increases. It seems to be pounding, uh, which, which makes you sweat just a little bit. Maybe your palms get sweaty or, or something along those lines. Or maybe, like me, you've got no hair to catch what beads up on your forehead and it just starts running down your face, you know. Uh, but, but, but that happens. And your, your pupils tend to dilate. These are all things maybe that, that you've experienced or maybe you don't feel. Uh, certainly, uh, in that moment, your, uh, your body releases blood to muscles so that you can respond if need be in a, in a physical way. Uh, lots of things happen. Sometimes we, we fight back. Sometimes that's our response. Maybe you've been there and, and you, you just lash out. Maybe you've seen somebody maybe get backed into a corner li- literally physically and what they come out swinging. You know, that's the way it is. Or emotionally, they come out just lashing out at people with their words and their emotions. Maybe you're a person who's like that, and your response in those situations is to fight back. Uh, maybe that's worked for you. Maybe it hasn't. I don't know. Or maybe you're the person who has the flight response. You're just trying to run away. You, you know it's not a good situation. Physically, you know that maybe you can't overcome what you're facing, so you just try to get out of there. Maybe if you remember times as a as a, a younger person, and you say, you know, I remember being physically threatened, and I didn't know what to do, so I just ran. I just got out of there as quickly as I could. Maybe emotionally, you're a flight kind of person, and when emotions get get intense and get, get heated, you just run away emotionally. You're just not going to deal with it. Maybe, maybe that's your response. Or maybe you're the freeze kind of person. You get backed into a corner emotionally or whatever, and you just you freeze. You just lock up. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't speak, and and I couldn't say anything, and you just freeze. Those are responses, obviously, all across the board. And I would imagine that each of us, we probably have a default response, something that, that for whatever reason, seems to be our natural response to those kinds of situations. And also, I would imagine, we've all experienced each of those. There have probably been times when you, being backed into a corner, have fought back. Maybe it worked, maybe it didn't, but that was your response. There have probably been times when you've, when you've had the flight response, just take off, and other times when you've frozen. Each of us, each of us faces those kinds of situations. If you didn't face one last week, you might this week. If you didn't have one last month, you may in the next month. All of us are going to face those situations where we feel as if we are backed into a corner. But I wonder if, if any of those is the right response. I wonder if fighting back is the right response. I wonder if fleeing and running away from a situation is the right response. Or just 
freezing up in the middle of it is, is right. I, I question whether any of those are the absolute right way to go. And I really believe that there's something completely different that God would have us do when our backs are against the wall. When physically, emotionally, psychologically, whatever it may be. When we're in a corner and we don't know what to do. If you think about the stress that you face in life, if you were to rate on a scale of 1 to 10 how stressful your life is, and if you're maybe a 12 or 13 on that scale, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Many opportunities where your back is against the wall. It comes in a lot of different forms. Maybe for you it's difficult people. They just stress you out. They back you into a corner. And you just think, my goodness, why does this always happen to me? Why do I always seem to wind up in a situation or a job or wherever it may be where I just deal with the most difficult people in the world? Now, granted, they're not thinking that about you in any way. Okay, it's not you, it's them. All right, so you know, you're not difficult, it's them. All right, that's what I tell myself all the time. It's not me. But the truth is, sometimes there are just difficult people that we deal with. What do you do in those situations? Maybe it's financial worry for you. Maybe with the recent economic downturn and the, the, the uncertainty about what's going on, maybe you've lost your job or you've taken a pay cut or you're just sort of uncertain. Will I keep my job? Will, will our finances be okay? That's a major stressor in life. As much as I would love to stand here and tell you that I've, I've never had a financial worry in my entire life because I trust God and He's always taken care of me, part of that is true. He's always taking care of me, but the other part is not always true. I do have financial worries from time to time. I don't always trust God perfectly. So if that's you, then I understand. Certainly a major concern. Maybe you've had family or relational problems that back you into a corner. And you now don't speak to a person in your family because of the issues that came from your fight, flight, or freeze response, or theirs. And you see the the resulting problems from that. And maybe you've got work-related issues or health problems, or you're facing tremendous temptation, whatever it may be, and you just seem to be always backed into a corner. What do you do when those kinds of situations come? Through the story that we'll look at this morning as we continue our series on great lives from the Scripture, we're going to see a familiar story for many of us, the story of the Israelites at the Red Sea. In a moment where their collective backs were against the wall, what did they do? What instruction did they receive? How was it that God wanted them to respond? And I really believe that that God has something to teach us through this particular story. So why don't you look with me at the book of Exodus, second book in the Bible, and beginning in chapter 13 at verse 17. So go ahead and get your place there, and that's where we'll camp out today. We'll look at chapters 13 and 14 and some lessons we can learn about when our backs are against the wall. Again, understanding that that fight or flight or freeze response may not be the best that God has for us. Let me give you a little background on this particular passage that we'll look at, kind of catch you up to speed. Last week, we saw the beginning of the call of Moses to go lead the Israelites out of slavery from Egypt. We saw the story of the burning bush and how from that moment on, Moses was on a mission from God. He he was determined after God solidified that call in his life that that would be what he did. So he goes to to Egypt, stands before Pharaoh, and he says, The Lord uh, says, let my people go. And immediately Pharaoh says, well, all right, you know, you've convinced me. If God says that's the way that it's going to be, then, hey, all these these thousands of slaves that I've got that are driving our economy and taking care of all of our construction projects, they're really not needed. You guys go right ahead and do whatever you need to do. 
unfortunately, that's not quite the way that it happened. He needed a little convincing, Pharaoh did. And God said, I'll take care of the convincing. I'll send you on a mission from God. I'll handle it all. And we know that, that, that there were a series of plagues that God sent on Egypt because Pharaoh refused to be obedient to what God had said. And he refused to listen to Moses and his heart was hardened and he did not let the people go. And so these chapters from about chapter 4 to where we pick it up today in chapter 13 highlight the different plagues that took place. And one time after another, God did certain things to the land and people of Egypt. And each time, Pharaoh said, no, 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 you're not going anywhere. I defy God. And Pharaoh thought he was bigger and better and stronger than God. And finally, he got to the point where he let them go. But it was only after an event we now know is highlighted in what's called the Passover. The firstborn of every family and animal in Egypt was killed in the 10th plague. The Israelites were saved, however, in a great preview of the cross by spreading blood on their doorframe. The blood of a sacrifice covered them and protected them from God's wrath on the sinful nature of Egypt. What a, what a beautiful preview of the cross, obviously, that the blood of Jesus Christ covers and protects us from the wrath of God against sin. God certainly will punish sin, but those who are covered by the blood of Jesus by grace through their faith escape that punishment, and are no longer enemies of God, but are friends of God. What a tremendous preview of that. And so in that event there, in, in Exodus, we see that, that the Israelites are, are, are redeemed out of slavery. They're, they're purchased out of slavery by God through this sacrifice and the blood on the doorframe, and they, they're led out of Egypt, and Pharaoh says, get out of here, I don't want you anymore. And then we pick up the story in chapter 13. Now, I'm going to read to you, and I hope you'll read along with me, this story that is probably very familiar with some great Hebrew names that we'll not be able to pronounce very well. And you'll laugh at me, but I would laugh at you if you were up here too. So it's even. <clears throat> Isn't that great? You always think the preacher's got some you know, insight. into. Yeah, I, I struggle with it just like you do. All right, here we go. <clears throat> Verse 17, chapter 13. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them along the road to the land of the Philistines, even though it was nearby. For God said, the people will change their minds and return to Egypt if they face war. So he led the people around toward the Red Sea, along the road of the wilderness. And the Israelites left the land of Egypt in battle formation. Now flip over and look at uh, verse 21. <clears throat> the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to lead them on their way during the day, and in a pillar of fire to lead them uh, to light, give them light rather at night so that they could travel day or night. The pillar of cloud by day and the, fire, the pillar of fire by night never left its place in front of the people. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and camp in front of Pihahirath, there you go, between Migdal and the sea. You must camp in front of Baal Zephon, facing it by the sea. <clears throat> Pharaoh will say of the Israelites, they are wandering around in the land in, uh, the land in confusion. The wilderness has boxed them in. I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. Then I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Verse 5. When the king of Egypt was told the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about the people and said, What have we done? We have released Israel from serving us. So he got his chariot ready and took his troops with him. He took 600 of the best chariots and all the rest of the chariots of Egypt with officers in each one. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he pursued the Israelites who were going out triumphantly. 
The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, his horsemen and his army, chased after them and caught up with them as they camped beside those places that were previously mentioned that I cannot pronounce. Verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and saw the Egyptians coming after them. Then the Israelites were terrified and cried out to the Lord for help. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you took us to to die in the wilderness? What have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't this what we told you in Egypt? Leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, Don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation He will provide for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You must be quiet. The Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to break camp. As for you... Lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I am going to harden the hearts of the Egyptians, so they will go in after them, and I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh, all his army, and his chariots and horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I receive glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who was going in front of the Israelite forces, moved and went behind them. The pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and stood behind them. It came between the Egyptian and the Israelite forces. The cloud was there in the darkness, yet it lit up the night. So neither group came near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove back the sea with a powerful east wind all that night and turned the sea into dry land. So the waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry land, with the waters like a wall to them on their right and their left. The Egyptians set out in pursuit, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen and went into the sea after them. Then during the morning watch, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian forces from the pillar of fire and cloud and threw them into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve and made them drive with difficulty. Let's get away from from Israel, the Egyptians said, because the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may come back on the Egyptians on their chariots and horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea returned to its normal depth. While the Egyptians were trying to escape from it, the Lord overthrew them in the sea. The waters came back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had gone after them into the sea. None of them survived. But the Israelites had walked through on the sea on dry ground, with the waters like a wall to them on their left and, their, and on their right and their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the power of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power that the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and believed in Him and His servant Moses. Familiar story, but worth reading. Familiar story, but worth hearing, I believe, all over again, and understanding the picture of the Israelites as they have left Egypt, they have they have received the salvation of the Lord through the deliverance of the plagues, and now they're, they're on their way, they think, to the, to the promised land. And very quickly, they wind up with their back against the wall. And as I mentioned earlier, I know if you're normal, you've had these types of experiences. Maybe you haven't had the Egyptian army pursuing you. But certainly, you've had those experiences where you just felt like you were in a corner. And I want you to note that this comes after the Passover. This comes after they had been delivered. And so it's not just for those people who 
have no thought of God whatsoever, that they're the ones who have hard times in life. In a very real way, I believe this shows, as the Passover is a precursor to the cross, that those who believe in Jesus also will face these opportunities for your back to be against the wall. And so it's not just somebody out there who's done everything wrong and they've put themselves against the wall. These are the Israelites being led by God to a position where their back was against the wall. I believe that what the Israelites face gives us a very simple guiding principle today, and it's this, and it will sound very simplistic, but I believe it's powerful. When your back is against the wall, keep your eyes on the Lord. When your back is against the wall, keep your eyes on the Lord. Now, I want that principle to sort of guide us through what we talk about today, because Moses tells them, when the the Israelites are being pursued by the Egyptian army, Stand back, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. Watch what God is going to do. And then we get the bookend of the story at the very end of it. It says that they saw the great power of the Lord. They saw the dead Egyptians. They saw what God had done. So there's something about them keeping their eyes on the Lord in the midst of this difficult time that I believe sounds very simplistic, yes, but has major implications and major power. Now, I want to break this down this morning and kind of give us both halves of this. What do you do? I mean, when is your back against the wall? You see, it's kind of, it's got a comma in the middle there. When your back is against the wall, okay, that's part of it. But what do you do? You keep your eyes on the Lord. Now, this is very simple, uh, but as I said, very powerful. When is your back against the wall? First of all, obviously for them, it was in the wilderness. If you look back in chapter 13 at verse 17, It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them along the road to the land of the Philistines, even though it was nearby. For God said, the people will change their minds and return to Egypt if they face war. So what? So he led them around toward the Red Sea along what? The road of the wilderness. Do you see who's involved in leading them toward the wilderness? They didn't just randomly pick it. They didn't flip a coin and say, well, if if its heads will go this way, if its tails will go this way. It says God was leading them, and he did not lead them down the road toward the land of the Philistines, even though that was nearby. Now, the road to the land of the Philistines was the quickest route to get to where they were going to go. It was probably, in some ways, the easiest route for them to go, and certainly the closest route for them to go. Now, if you're anything like me, you would say, God, what do you think? This is quick. This is easier. This, this seems to get us where we need to go. This involves... Uh, seemingly the path of least resistance. God, why would you choose this route? But God knew that the Egyptian army had outposts along the way there in the land of the Philistines, and he figured, rightly so, that when the Israelites, who are not warriors but what, slaves, face that particular threat, that they would turn around and go back to Egypt. So he leads them on a different path along the way of the wilderness. Now, that avoids the Egyptian army, obviously. But it heads toward the Sea of Reeds, the Red Sea as it's transliterated in our Bibles, and it heads toward the wilderness, a way that for many people would have been less familiar. Interesting how God works sometimes. It's a little side note, but understand that there are times in your life when by no desire or design of your own, you are led into the land of the wilderness. And you can look for people to blame and situations to find fault in, but Ultimately, you need to turn your eyes toward the Lord because it could be, and quite often is, the fact that God has led you to the wilderness. Maybe you've experienced that. So here they are in the wilderness. Their back is against the wall in that. Now, you think about your own life. Sometimes you face financial wilderness. You just think, God, it, it, 
The money's running out. We're living literally paycheck to paycheck and then some. God, we're maxed out on everything we can max out. I have no other resources to tap. We are in the financial wilderness. Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe for you it's been a relational wilderness. God, I am, I'm extremely lonely. God, I, I don't seem to have any friends. My family uh, is either gone or, or doesn't seem to get it in my life. Maybe you're lonely. Maybe you've had those experiences. Maybe you've been left all alone. Maybe folks have, have left you, faced the tragedy of divorce in your life or the death of loved ones, and you know what it's like to be in a relational wilderness. Or maybe for you it's vocational, related to your job. You just hate your job. You just think, God, what am I doing here? This has no purpose whatsoever. God, why have you led me to this particular place? Why am I working on this job? God, it doesn't seem to really matter. Maybe there's vocational wilderness for you, or maybe emotional wilderness. You face some serious discouragement and some serious depression in your life. And yes, you're a Christian. Yes, you believe in Jesus Christ. But yes, you're also human, and you face emotional wilderness. And certainly many of us have experienced, whether it's in our own lives or in the lives of extended friends and family, physical wilderness, disease, cancer, whatever it may be, a bleak outlook. And you just face that physical wilderness. Sometimes, of course, that wilderness is in the roles you play as a parent. <laughs> You're in the parental wilderness. And your children are wandering from God or they're just not serious about Him and you just think, God... I don't know what to do. You look around and it doesn't seem to be getting any better whatsoever. Or maybe as a boss or an employee, you're just in the wilderness and you think, God, what is going on? Maybe as a friend or as a spouse or whomever, you just seem to be in a desert, in a wilderness. Certainly that's part of when your back could be against the wall. And then they also, for them, they, they found their back against the wall as their enemy was closing in. Their enemy is closing in on them. In chapter 14, it says that Pharaoh changes his mind and he leads out all of his chariots and all of his horsemen and his army and he's chasing down the Israelites. The Israelites are on foot. They're not on chariots. They're not on horses. They just take whatever they can and they leave town. And here they go triumphantly, it says, out into this place where God is leading them. And then their enemy begins to be closing in. Pharaoh sent the whole works at them, a very powerful army, an enemy that Israel was not prepared for, even though it says they went out in battle formation. They had no idea what they were doing. <laughs> if they had faced the professional Egyptian army, they would have been annihilated. They had no clue what they were doing. And the truth is, in our own lives, we have enemies that close in on us. Maybe it's somebody you think is just out to get you. For whatever reason, they just seem to always be the person that is out to get you trying to make your life miserable, whether they think they're doing it or not, you just perceive that's their role in life is to make me miserable. Maybe you get a bad doctor's report and that enemy pursues you. Maybe you have bills due, as I mentioned, and those enemies pursue you and you know that they're coming and you know that that, that due date on that bill is just a few days away or it passed a few days before. And those enemies pursue you. Maybe... For you, it's depression, discouragement, or an impending divorce, or unavoidable circumstances that you know are pursuing you. And you face it just like the Israelites did, and it seems as if Satan is throwing the whole works at you. Stuff you're not prepared for, things you haven't been through, 
you have no one to talk to and you feel like that they're just closing in. So they faced their back being against the wall in the wilderness with their enemy closing in and also when they were trapped. The story tells us that on one side is the Egyptian army. On the other side is the Red Sea. What do you do then? What do you do when your choices are die by the sword or die by drowning? I'm not sure in that case which one I would choose. I really don't know. I've never been in that situation. But here are the Israelites. We've got two choices, both of which involve dying. You just pick your poison. You know, just choose which way you want to go. Do you want to have a sword run through you or do you want to drown? Your children are the same way. They're going to die. Which one will you pick for them? Imagine the circumstances, the emotion that they faced when they believed there's no way out. They are between that rock and a hard place. Certainly they were fearful, panicking, probably confused. What in the world do we do? How do we figure this one out? And for us, it's certainly the same way when we're in that wilderness with the enemy closing in, we often feel trapped, confused. I, I don't know how to handle this. I, I don't know what to do with my financial situation. God, I, I, I don't get it. I've done everything I know to do. Lord, with this person in my life, I've tried everything. I mean, I've been nice to them. I've stood up to them. I've run away from them. I've done everything that I can. Lord, in my marriage, I, I've tried it all. And with my health, I've been to every doctor that I can see, and they all give me the same report. I'm, I'm trapped by this. There, there seems to be no way out, and I don't know what to do. The only options for me, Lord, seem to just bring more pain. <laughs> what do you do then? Your back's against the wall. Certainly they experienced that, being trapped. And all of that led them to wanting to give up, as you can well imagine. There are times when your back is against the wall and you simply just want to give up. In chapter 14, verse 10, it says, The Israelites were terrified and cried out to the Lord for help. Good move at first. They said to Moses, though, in verse 11, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you took us to die in the wilderness? They go on to say, It would have been better for us to remain in slavery than to come out here and die. They wanted to give up. Why did you bring us here? We were better as slaves. Obviously, they had forgotten about the previous episodes of the plagues and what God has done to deliver them from the hand of the Egyptians. But before we give them a good verbal lashing, we need to turn the mirror on ourselves. Because the truth is, there are times when our back is against the wall and we just want to give up. God, if this is the way it's going to be, you can have it. Lord, if this is what life as a Christian is like, I thought it was going to be completely different. I thought, it was, I thought it was just going to be smooth sailing from the moment I placed my trust in Jesus Christ. Lord, if this is it, man, I, I'll go back to the way things were. It, it's better for me to live that life than it is to, to suffer and have to endure life this way. Why would something like this happen, Lord, to someone who's doing their best to just serve you and love you as best I know how? But the truth is, we easily forget what God has done in the past. We easily forget the miracles that He performed at our physical birth. To bring us into physical existence is a miracle from God. And then to bring us new life, rebirth, the Bible says in John chapter 3, is also a miracle of God. Only God could do that. We easily forget what He's done in the past. So what will you do when your back is against the wall in that way? When you're in the wilderness... And there seems to be no way out. When your enemy is closing in, whatever enemy you face, when you are trapped between a rock and a hard place and you're confused and you don't know what to do and all you want to do is give up, will you fight 
Will you, will you run away? Will you freeze? That's the typical human response, one of those. If you're honest, you know that none of those are probably the right answer. To fight back in that situation is probably just going to cause more problems. To run away is just simply to ignore the problem. And to freeze means that somebody else is going to handle it for you, and you might not like the result. I really believe God has a different way for us. And it's simply to keep our eyes on the Lord. And I look at this particular story and this passage of Scripture, and I see some things that, that help fill out for us. What does that mean? What does it mean to keep your eyes on the Lord? In chapter 14, verse 14, we get this idea of, of trust Him. Trust the Lord. Moses says to the people, don't be afraid. He says in verse 13 and verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. You must be be silent, he says. You must be quiet. Trust him. For them, he's going to fight for you. He knows what you face. He knows the Egyptians are coming. He knows the Red Sea's right here. He knows you have no way of escape. But he also knows he had already worked to free them, and he would do it again in their lives at the Red Sea. For us, in your situation, let me tell you this. God knows what you face. He has not forgotten where you live. He is not oblivious to your situation. He knows your desert that you're in, the wilderness that he may in fact have, have led you to walk through. He knows exactly where you are. And the power that provides salvation for us is the same power that can be applied to a situation where we need another miraculous act of God to get us out from the rock and the hard place. That same power is applicable and it's appropriate to be applied to those situations. And He knows what you face. And so don't forget what God has done for you in the past to build your trust in Him. And so Moses, by implication, says, the Lord will fight for you, just trust Him. And he closes that verse with, be silent, be quiet, he says. To them, he was telling them, look, stop complaining. <laughs> stop wishing that you could go back to where you were. You know that wasn't any good. You know God has led you to this place. And so he says to them, quiet your mouth, quiet your spirit. Stop making plans for how you're going to defeat the Egyptian army. Can you imagine them in those split seconds? The guys who think they're really macho are getting everybody together. All right, here's what we're going to do. When they come at us this way, we're going to run around the flank and here we go. I mean, they had no clue what they were doing. And Moses says, no, 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 hold, hold on a second. You can try all that stuff and it may prolong the inevitable, but if you try that, you're still going to die. You know, you, you might take a couple of them out with you. But he says, quiet your mouth, quiet your spirit. You must be quiet, he says. Nothing that you devise is going to work anyway. They're more powerful than you, and you're going to drown in the sea. And so for us, and I think as I look at my own life and try to apply that to others, for us it's to be quiet by stop, stopping to, to try it and find a reason for why am I here? How did I wind up in this situation, Lord? Why am I facing financial worry? Why, why am I facing this health issue? What's the reason behind it? And for us, it's the same, to be quiet, to be silent, to quiet our mouth and quiet our spirit and stop looking for human plans that will get us out of that. Does that mean that you should just sit and trust God and do nothing at all? That's not the point, as you'll see in just a minute. But I believe in our spirit and in how we operate, we first must be quiet, be silent. And then he says, go forward. Go forward. There's a couple of translations, the English Standard, the New American Standard, some others. The words they use for when the, the, the Holman here that we're, that we're reading this morning says break camp. 
They use the words, go forth. God says in, in verse 15, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Egyptians to break, or tell the Israelites rather to break camp. Another version says, tell them to go forth. Well, God, what, is, what does that mean? <laughs> go forward, where are we going? He says, move toward the Red Sea. Go through it. Don't look back. Keep going, and God will use what you're going to go through to destroy the enemy that's pursuing you. So in our lives, we just simply do what we know God would have us to do. How do you move forward in a difficult situation? I'm just going to be obedient on what I know. God, I know that through this I am to bring my needs to you. I am to pray. God, I know through this I am to praise you. God, I know through this I am to be obedient in these simple little areas. God, when I'm, when I'm tempted to give up, I know I'm supposed to continue to voice my trust in you and, and just be silent before you. God, I know I'm just supposed today to put one foot down in front of the other and say the Lord will never leave me, he'll never forsake me, and I will place my trust in him, and I will simply go forward today. I'm not worried about next week, I'm not worried about next month, but Lord, today I put one foot of trust right down in front of the other. And Lord, I'm going to do my best to abide by your scripture and do what you would have me to do, even though I'm scared, even though I don't know how it's going to work out. I'll go forward. I'll move the direction you tell me to go. So in the midst of your back being against the wall and you keeping your eyes on him, that means we trust him. That means we're silent before him. Not trying to scheme on our own, but trusting his plans. And it means that we go forward on what we know. What we know from the scripture. And then, This story also shows us that it's in these times when we must follow spiritually mature people. We must follow spiritually mature people. You're not to be in this game of life on your own. And praise God that he has not left us on our own. In verse 13, Moses said to the people, here he is standing up. Charlton Heston, right there before they go in. You know, right before the the Lord's going to send the wind and here it goes and the walls are there. Charlton Heston stands up. Picture it in your mind. Moses says, don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation he will provide for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You must be quiet. Here's a spiritually mature person standing up in front of those who have their backs against the wall saying, hold on. Yes, it's true, your back is against the wall. But let me tell you what is a greater truth. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. And so they trusted Moses. And when God says to Moses, take the people through the sea, they follow him through the sea. It's a lesson for them on learning to follow those spiritual leaders in their lives. Because the tactics that that God would use to defeat the Egyptians were spiritual. They were miraculous. They were God-centered. Moses is just the voice piece. He's just saying, here's what God has said to do. Those situations they would encounter later would always have the same kinds of tactics and solutions. They would need food. What does God send? Manna from heaven. They didn't grow it. They didn't do anything to earn it or deserve it. God just says, here it is. They needed water. Where does God provide the water from? A rock. Really? Yes, a rock. In the desert, no water. Here's water out of a rock. When they encounter their first major battle in the land of Canaan, Jericho, what's the tactic? Storm the city walls. No, 
walk around them, and then on the seventh day, do it seven times and yell real loud and blow on some horns. Miraculous, God-centered solutions that they found even in the desert. And God used someone who was in tune with him, Moses, to help those who needed it in that moment. And so for us, it's the same way. We need people in our lives who can provide that leadership, that spiritual leadership for us when our back is against the wall. And so who do you have in your life? Who do you have that that you know I can go to for a, a spiritual solution? That's not an inactive solution. It's just I need someone who can lead me in this particular situation. Who can point to God's desire and His will for you? It's in those times of confusion, those times of wilderness, that we desperately need spiritually mature people to help us. And I'll say this, everybody needs it. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter what role you serve in the church. It doesn't matter how spiritually mature you are. You still need, and I still need, trust me, those people in our lives and in my life that can lead me spiritually when my back is against the wall. I never go out of that. I never get to the point where I don't need that. And we're all the same way. Everybody needs it. We need those people who can provide God-centered solutions for us. So here they are. Their back's against the wall. And Moses tells them, trust God. Move forward. Be silent. Follow spiritually mature people. Keep your eyes on the Lord. And then we get to the results. It says in verse 29 of chapter 14, The Israelites had walked through the sea on dry ground with the waters like a wall to them on their right and their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the power of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and believed in Him and in His servant Moses. The results are very simple for the story. First of all, you see what God has done. They saw the salvation of the Lord that had been promised. This book ends this particular passage. They saw the dead Egyptians, what God had done. They saw the great power of the Lord, that only He could do what happened. They saw what was promised. God saw them through, and they saw His salvation. There was also fear. In the greatest biblical sense, that fear is not one of terror. But for those who have been delivered out of sin and into salvation by the Lord, that fear is one of awe and respect and allegiance and devotion to the Lord, not one of terror. You understand that if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, receiving His free gift of salvation, there is no more fear, the Bible says, because perfect love, 1 John says, drives out all fear. You know the one who gives perfect love, there is no terror. There's only respect and reverence and awe and an increased allegiance to Him. Also, there is the fact that they learned to believe. Their faith was strengthened. It says they believed in Him. They feared the Lord. They believed in Him. They saw what He did, and because of that, their faith was strengthened. You had moments like that in your life? Where you say, you know what, I didn't see how God was going to come through in this situation, but then He did. And let me tell you how much more I trust Him today than I did yesterday. And tomorrow it's going to be the same way. When you're led through that wilderness again, when your enemy is closing in, you see what God has done, you begin to to increase your respect for Him, and you believe in Him a little bit more. You strengthen your faith. And then finally, they were full of praise. 
They could take no credit for what had happened. In chapter 15, verse 1, it says, Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. Their immediate response to what God had done was to praise Him. They said, I will sing to the Lord, for He is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise Him. My Father's God, and I will exalt Him. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is His name. He threw Pharaoh's chariots and His army into the sea. The elite of His officers were drowned in the Red Sea. For the bulk of chapter 15, they go on to sing a song of praise because of what God had done. Your back is going to be against the wall, maybe this week, maybe next week, maybe in the coming months, maybe even this afternoon. Relationally, emotionally, financially, in some way, physically, your back will be against the wall. It's just the facts of life. How will you respond? How will I respond? Will I fight? Will I run away? Will I just freeze? Or will I, when my back is against the wall, take the example from Scripture and keep my eyes on the Lord and look for what God will do and trust Him in the midst of that and be silent before Him by trusting His solutions and just go forward on what I know to do? Will I follow spiritually mature people? If I do those things, then I'll learn that I will see what God will do that I will begin to have an increased reverence and awe for Him. I'll believe even more deeply than I do today as my faith is strengthened. And then I will praise Him because of what He has done. I want you to know, and as I mentioned before, that the deliverance that the Egyptians faced and saw was an incredible event. In fact, it's the highlight of the Old Testament because it points to the fact that God brought them out of slavery and into new life. It's all fulfilled. It's all completed totally, because that's just a precursor in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because each one of us, apart from Jesus Christ, are dead and in slavery to sin, the Bible says. Every one of us, no matter how good of a person you may be, no matter how many friends you may have, no matter... How many people really like you? Apart from faith in Jesus Christ, you are dead in your sin, just like all of us are before our faith in Jesus Christ. But just like God brought the Egyptians out of slavery, made a way for them to escape what certainly would have been certain death for them in the end and a miserable way of living, He's provided that way out of sin, out of slavery to sin, out of the penalty of sin, and out of His wrath by the death of Jesus Christ that covers it all. What a tremendous truth we see, not only in how it can directly apply to our lives, but in what we see that God has already done for us. It was His grace that delivered the Israelites from Egypt. It wasn't something they earned. It was God's action. And it's His grace that has provided the means for salvation for us through the death of Jesus Christ. And you say, well, what do I need to do? The Bible says receive it by faith. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Confess Him as Lord of your life. I want you to be in charge of my life. I give my life to you. And the Bible says you will be saved. God's already done it all. He says receive it. Receive it by faith.
just pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the salvation that is available. For the example we see in the the Israelites and the Egyptians, and certainly, Lord, the fulfillment that we know that came through Jesus Christ on the cross. Lord, our backs are against the wall on a regular basis, and Lord, we thank you in that, that your back is never against the wall. That you always have a plan for us, you always love us, and you always know exactly what we need. So God, help us to keep our eyes on you. In the times of wilderness, when our enemy is closing in, when we're trapped, and when we feel like giving up, Lord, help us to keep our eyes on you, to trust you, to to be silent, to move forward, to follow spiritual leaders in our lives that can help us. God, we commit to you this morning that as we face times when our backs are against the wall, that we will respond the way you would have us. We will keep our eyes on you. We pray for those this morning who are in desperate need of the salvation of God through faith in Jesus Christ. God, we pray those this morning would submit their lives to you call on you for salvation and you alone. Thank you, Lord, that you have delivered us from the power of sin, from the slavery that it causes in our lives, and you have brought us out into freedom in Jesus Christ. We thank you and we praise you for that in Jesus' name.